and this is the Canon Cast. Hey guys, it's John, and we're back again with another episode of the Canon Cast. I'm here as always with my co-host Mahid Gamaj. Mahid, how are you going? I'm doing okay. I uh, the game on on Sunday was a bit of a snooze fest. I actually did fall asleep during it, which kind of sums it all up. But uh, I woke up again and then I rewatched the match. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about some of the positives and negatives from uh, that game and and previous matches and moving forward as well. Yeah, the game was it was quite misleading in some respects. You know, we started off the game scoring quite early, and you think you set up for what could be a high scoring game, and it just wasn't meant to be. As so often this season. So just to, you know, start off at the beginning we start off with the lineup. Um I don't really think there were any surprises. There were some people who were calling for TNE to start. Um it I think it was a bit unrealistic after he played ninety minutes in the midweek mm-hmm. um for him to start this game as well. Um besides that, the only other person I was probably hoping well, the only person that I thought was in contention to start would have been Joe Willock after another good performance in the midweek. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. you know, we know Una is really sticking with his Jaka in a deep line role. Uh we know Gwen Doozy was short to start and I guess if it was anybody he could have played over would have been Danny Ceballos. Other than mm-hmm. that, the lineup was pretty straightforward for me. What about you? Yeah, um it was Basically, exactly what I was expecting. Um, I think with the presence of the international break this coming week, um, they've kind of set that as as kind of the that one week or, or two weeks where Tierney, uh, Bayerine, and Rob Holding will get back to hundred percent match fitness and then yeah. be ready for after, uh, along with Lacazette, hopefully. So uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting to see any of those guys in the starting eleven, especially as like you know um, Socrates, Luis, and Kolasinac have been pretty much mainstays in, in the first 11 uh, yeah. so far this season. But, yeah, I mean, the front three kind of knew it was going to be like that. Uh, Saka is starting to, to make that left-wing spot his own. And, yeah, as much as you would like to see Torreira and Willock in midfield, I think we all have the feeling that it would be Xhaka and Ceballos, which uh, I'm not, you know, particularly a fan of because I am um, very much a, a fan of Joe Willock especially, and I think he can make a real difference in this team, and he... Hasn't really been getting any opportunities in the Premier League since the first couple games of the season. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, no surprises, but uh, nothing overly terrible out there. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you with the whole Ceballos Willock thing. I think that Ceballos is actually the kind of player that requires somebody like Willock to play next to him to bring the most out of him because he mm-hmm. needs players around him who has high intensity and movement for him to link up with because we see his passing range isn't that, that long. Is that mm-hmm. he likes to pass and move in and around small spaces and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when we look at the players, we had their other Dan, Gwen Doozy, you know, Xhaka isn't really the most mobile. You won't really get the most out of him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I too agree that I think this isn't just because you said that you like Olaf, and I know that I like Olaf, you know, given a heel and academy product and whatnot. But mm-hmm. he brings something to the team that others don't have, the, the verticality in his play that 
we have suffered a lot since, especially since Lacazette is out injured, since Ozil is out of favour, to have a real link between mm-hmm. the front three and the middle three. And out of the players who are in favour of Unai Emery right now, Joe Willock seems to be the only person who could provide that, and yet he still finds it hard to get a Premier League start ever since he started against um, Liverpool, it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the thing with that is, is like... Uh... Like you mentioned, like Lacazette, when he's back, it should be a little bit better than what we're seeing now because, like you know, like you implied, there's a huge disconnect between the midfield and the attack right now, and you know it's not helping Pepe adjust. You know, he, we, we need to we need to get him some goals sooner rather than yeah. later. Uh, he needs to have a good good like dominant performance that you know will be his kind of his uh, just kind of stamp his foot uh, in yeah. his team finally, and and you know we're not really helping him with the yep. starting 11s that we put out. And yep. yeah, even Aubameyang, you know, I'm surprised that he keeps scoring. Obviously, he didn't score this past game, but the games before that, he was scoring regularly. I'm, I, you know, I, it's pretty incredible that he's capable of doing that, even with hardly any service yep. uh, to the front line. But yeah, you know, Joe Willock is somebody who I really like, and I think he brings a lot of the qualities that uh, Aaron Ramsey brought um, in the last yeah. couple of years. And, and Ramsey was very good last season for us in the big games, especially. And Willock kind of has. Uh, similar legs to Ramsey, you know, he can he can run up and down the field, no problem. And um, yeah, you know, I, I do think, like you said, he brings a lot of qualities that we don't really have right now. And I think we're seeing that in the Europa League, where he's been making a difference, and in the Carabao Cup games as well. But yeah, I'm really hoping that we see him soon. And I think once we give him a start or two, he can really stamp his uh, presence in the team. His his his, you know, he, he can stamp his spot in the first eleven the same way that uh, Bukayo Saka did. And somebody else who was afforded a chance today that was up until recently a little bit out of favour was Callum Chambers. He got a start at right back. And mm-hmm. for the most part, he was pretty solid. Um, I know he was voted one in the match, and I, I do think that was rightfully so. Um, he provided a lot more defensive awareness than his other set of partners he may have um, provided. Um, I actually thought David Luiz has been better than his earlier performances. Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. been a bit less of a liability. I guess, you know, it's easier to be that when you're not giving away penalties. Um, but him and Socrates, him and Chamber, sorry, have been pretty good in this game. Socrates, he really, really looks off the pace. And well, mm-hmm. Kalas, not as a broken record at this point. Yeah, I mean, Chambers has done well to, to win back that spot. Um, you know, Maitland-Niles was the starter going into the season. Uh, he was a starter for a good chunk of last season after Hector Bayern got injured, but now Callum Chambers is starting to take up that role uh, because Maitland-Niles was an unused substitute in this game, and, and Chambers started this game, and he started against United. And, uh, yeah, he looks really good. I wasn't expecting him to be as good at right-back because yeah. I think... Um, he, he Of course, he did get a start at Southampton as a right-back, but uh, the way his kind of um, physique has shaped yeah, up, yeah. and he's not really a, a pacey guy... Uh, I expected that he would be a central player for us, you know, maybe like a third, fourth choice center back or third, fourth choice uh, defensive midfielder. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's shown that you don't need really, you know, a tons of pace to be good at, as as a fullback these days. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a lot more defensively solid than Maitland Niles is. And uh, yeah, I, I think you know, I think Hector Bellerin though is still the best of both worlds. You yep. know, he's got yeah. Maitland Niles' speed and, and his. Um, link up play. He's got Chambers' defensive abilities, and I think after um, the international break, when when he comes back with 
Tierney holding and hopefully Lacazette all ready to play. Um, I'm really hoping that that uh, we look better on the pitch because right now it's it's pretty dire. So then you know get into what's going on on the pitch. Then um, we had twelve shots in this game, two on target, but only four of them came after the thirty fifth minute, mm-hmm. and that has been a problem for us since Unai took over, being shot shy, that kind of stuff. But again, you know, at home to Bournemouth, where we were pretty much comfortable for the entirety of the first half, we really, we haven't been putting teams to the sword every single win we had this season. He has been at a one-goal margin. Mm-hmm. And at some point, performances and luck meet each other, and one would run out if the other doesn't improve. And we could be looking at going away to Sheffield when we return from the international break, Sheffield draw two all with um, with Chelsea, and for all we know, we know our way form isn't that good. We mm. could be looking at drop points again if our performances don't start improving. Yeah, um, the the away performances don't look like they've gotten better since last season, to be honest. And uh, the introduction of Nicolas Pepe was supposed to help with that, but it it kind of did at Anfield. You know, if he took those chances. And who knows what could happen? But yep, yeah. in games like against Sheffield and and whatnot, you know, even though we are the away side, we're still gonna have a lot of the ball, you know, compared to maybe what we would have against likes of Liverpool or Mad City away from home, and that kind of limits our counterattacking opportunities as well. So, you know, I, I, it's just something they've got to fix sooner rather than later. Because while we are in third right now, like you mentioned, um, we've been kind of lucky. With uh, with our wins and all one goal wins, and um, yeah, you know, like we're in a good position right now, but you yeah, know, if we keep playing this poorly, it's not gonna stay like that. And with the way Chelsea's playing right now, with the way Leicester's playing right now, we have to be worried and think that if we're not playing good football, we can't even you know, two shots on targeting at Sportsmith at home is is not great. You know, we we are so used to to crushing these sorts of teams at home at least. And for us to not even be doing that anymore is really, really worrying because that was one of our yeah. best qualities for the last few years. Even under Wenger, when we were yeah. doing poorly in away games, we were still crushing teams at home. And yeah. if it's not happening right now, then what's really going for us? Because that's all that was going for us in the last couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, they've got to fix up because it's not going to get any, you know, it's not going to get any easier from here on. And, uh, Teams like Chelsea and them are going to keep rising up the table, I think, and, and really yeah. get a challenge. And you know, for being a young manager in his, you know, tenure—not just at Chelsea, but in his managerial career—you know, Lampard is showing what and I cannot believe me, he that <laughs> I've used a Lampard as the measuring stick, mm-hmm. but he is showing what happens when you lean into your team strength. You know that. Mm-hmm. Sure, they've conceded a bunch this season, only one clean sheet at Chelsea so far, but they've won a lot more. Um, I know they sit underneath us right now, but they were always going to start off new coach, um, no chance, so and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the last couple of weeks, they have been playing a lot better than us, especially since they win against Wolves. You know, they lost 2 1 to Liverpool, where they played way better than we did against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But had a lot more chances in that game. And if Tammy Abraham and company were a lot more clinical, they could have been having a point coming out of that game, you know. And we so are unwilling 
to commit numbers forward, which is represented by these very reserved midfields that we put out. And when they're attacking, there's only two, three players going forward. Um, Kalasin, I actually find was surprisingly a little bit more reserved in his forays forward. And it, it's really bleak. However, there is one minor hope that I have, and it's this, right? The last year when we were a lot better than in big games, which is the most definite improvement under Unai Emery, that we were better mm-hmm. in big games. Yeah. What made us better was that we were a lot better at not at pressing winning back the ball at countering teams. And to some extent I do believe that Unai Emery wants to do that. However, I think that because of the players who were missing and the players that he had to use in their place, he was hesitant due to the difference in quality. Like, every time we spoke on Mahid, not just on this episode, but throughout the season so far, we've said that Socrates has been pretty poor and should have been dropped by now. But, you know, it's a question of dropping him for who holding is not coming back from injury. You know, there were doubts over Chambers' ability up until recent. You know, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the one minor hope that I'm hoping for is that the tactics that he's been imploring so far to, to just get the one goal and just try to seal out the win from there, is only to try to safeguard the team against the flaws within the players that he has no choice but to start so far. Mm, yeah. And I'm hoping, and I know it seems like if we always, as Arsenal fans, just hoping for that one position to be filled or that one position to, to be good again. But I, I, I do think that there is some genuine hope in Holding returning to the lineup, and he doesn't have to worry about Socrates, about Tierney, and Bellerin, especially returning, who are a lot more defensively sound than the options that we have been using so far. I could be playing a lot more front footed football when he has players he knows he can't trust. What was your thoughts about it? Like, that would explain to me the conservative midfields we've been putting out to try and safeguard the defense because they are so error prone that maybe in a defense that like, he trusts a bit more then he would be willing to start the likes of Willock in the midfield and that kind of thing. You know, what's your thoughts about that? Um, that's an interesting point and one that I didn't really think about. But now that I'm thinking about it now, um, I, I think that is a possibility. But what I also see is that even when we start these conservative midfields, um, as you're saying, to maybe try and protect the defense a little bit more, we're still giving up a lot of shots. And we're still oh, no. giving up a lot of chances. I, I have... I by no means <laughs> think it has been working. But I'm, I'm just trying to rationalize what Una is thinking has been mm-hmm. and how how we have been playing has literally gone against what he said his philosophy is. He says yeah. he wants to play attacking football and we haven't seen it. So, and I do believe that in him coming to Arsenal that one of the requirements without us, you know, being trying to be too prestigious or whatnot, would have been that he would have been required to come and play attacking football. I don't think mm-hmm. that the club would have been willing to hire him to be a defensive mind manager, you know? Yeah. So, that's like, that's the logic that I have. I guess it could be me trying to mm. cope with the football so far. <laughs> I try to find a way to rationalize it, but I, I think to some extent it makes sense, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you you be, you are involved in football a lot, you know, Mahit. Yeah. Would you trust Willock to be there with Torreira, who hasn't been that much in form, and Guendouzi. So, a, a young midfield to play in front of Socrates and Dablis, especially the way they have been playing earlier in the season, I wouldn't. So, I could understand him at least trying to plug the gaps, even though they haven't exactly been stopped. Yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that, like, 
I understand if he tried to do that in the first few games that we were missing those guys, you know, Barry and Tierney, whatever. Right. So, like, there was a few games at the beginning of the year where we were we we maybe like, let's see, Amu and I, Emery, I think, okay, our defense is not good enough, you know, to to play attacking football. I'm gonna start Jaka, who is you know uh, not Yikes. an attacking player. I'm gonna start uh, Gunduzi. I'm gonna start uh, Terreira, right. It's right, a it's yeah. a very conservative midfield, yep. and then I see that my team is still giving up ten, fifteen, twenty shots a game. Then I'm thinking, you know, if if this isn't going to protect my 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 defense, if starting a, a conservative midfield isn't going to protect my defense, then the best thing for me to do is to play attacking football and at least try and outscore the opposition, because it seems that regardless of what I play in midfield, we're still going to give up a lot of shots because we're just a poor team, like. Compare compared to what we used to be, compared to what the other top six teams yeah. are for the most yeah. part. So, what I if I was manager, I I think I would go along with the, with what you're saying, and and then maybe start a conservative midfield to try and protect my defense. But once I see that it's not working, I would I would kind of just blow it up and think, okay, let me start this young energetic midfield and then see what it does because he hasn't really done that. You know, we haven't yeah. seen the other side of it, so it, yeah. it's just a little bit too conservative now, in my opinion. No, no, no. Trust me, I agree a hundred percent, and I would have done the same. And all I'm doing right now is just I'm just being devil's advocate here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm yeah. trying to provide the, what what have been his thought process these last couple of games. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I think that would have countered what you said is that what if he thinks it could be even worse? You know, and we what what would validate that thought is that we have seen that he is a very cautious manager. That he doesn't like risk, and he might have seen that he would have been putting too much up to chance by trying to completely change the dynamic, you know. Mm-hmm. And while I agree with that, because you know, I do think that part of defense is possession, uh, yeah. we don't play teams that could help retain the ball well, you know. Kalasinak is horrible, oh my god, horrible mm-hmm. at passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maitland, as far midfielder, actually hasn't been that good at retaining the ball as well. So, uh, Socrates, Shaka, these players have been giving away the ball like mad, mm-hmm. you know. And part of defending is that you know we keep the ball from the opponents. We haven't been doing that well at all. So, I mean, I'm just all in all, I'm just trying to you know find logic to what he's been doing. And I know that a lot of people are just really holding the Tierney Bellerin returning to really revamp this team. And I know to some extent it sounds so arbitrary that just two players could change a whole team's fortune, but mm-hmm. you never know, you know? I do. I actually do think that they will change things quite a bit because um, the way we played last season was, you know, almost through Hector Bellerin because he would he would have balls. Yeah. He'd get a lot of touches. And, you know, we would try and kind of free him to get the cross in. And when he got injured, it was okay. You know, it's down to Kolasinac now to do this stuff. And then we tried to get him into space. But, you know, he's he's a very subpar crosser. He's subpar at basically everything. And he just wasn't doing the things that, like, it's true. I mean, it's absolutely true. No, it's, it's so true. It's yeah, so true. I know. And like, the thing is, like, I've been saying this since, you know, nearly almost when, when we signed him, is that Kolasinac is not good enough to start for this club. And the fact that we've had to rely on him so much this past year or two is, is kind of um, annoying in the sense. And the fact that we have Tierney now is kind of a sigh of relief because I do think that even if maybe he's not, 
you know, super, super good right now. He's still young and he's got a lot of potential and I think he can grow to be a great player in the future. So I do think that him and him and Hector coming back will, will make a big difference because I think those guys are just way more complete fullbacks than any of the options we have right now. Yeah, and I mean, just like, I know there's always a caveat of about, you know, the quality of opposition that he's faced, but you've already seen from Tierney, especially in more the, um, the standard age game, that his quality of delivery, it's it's really superb. And, and mm-hmm. the way that he takes his time in crossing compared to Kalasin out doing the same thing over and over and over <laughs> and over and over and yeah. over and over again, and it never <laughs> working out. Mm-hmm. You know, all jokes aside, you know, Tierney takes a lot better care with the ball. You look at Martinelli. Martinelli is an especially tall player, but he managed to pick some out for a header. And that's, I remember somebody said it on Twitter once, you know, Aubameyang and Lacazette lack of scoring from the air. Yes, it's partially due to the fact that there aren't aerial threats, but it's also partially because our crosses just aren't good enough to find him in ways to avoid defenders and allow them to be in more advantageous positions to score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think Tierney would add to that, and I just add to Bellerin. Before Bellerin got injured last year, I mean, he he had the most assists of any defender in the league, mm-hmm. and there was a reason for that. It's his quality on the ball is superb, and his quality of a run mm-hmm. is quite good. You know, obviously yeah. the most obvious one to pick out is his game against Leicester City. You know where Ozil and Aubameyang took so many plaudits, but his quality of run and his ability to deliver precise balls, it, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I know I know that Trent got a lot of praise this last year, and rightly so, for his ability, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, that just because he was injured here, uh, that, that Bellerin was forgotten a bit over um, Trent's hype. And I don't think that there is any big difference in quality between Bellerin and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that, that Trent is a little bit more... Um, cultured on the ball, he's a little bit more comfortable on the ball. But uh, okay, Hector gets himself because Trent Alexander Arnold was a midfielder in the academy. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, there's one yeah. thing that he has going for him. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think there isn't a huge gap in, in quality between them because Hector can deliver a good ball. And you saw the you know everybody brings up uh, Trent's assists and everything. But it, you know until like you said until Hector got injured, you know Hector was was keeping up and and, and you know surpassing him and. And it's just last season. So, yeah, you can kind of see that. Um, you know, yeah, I do think Hector is very underrated in, in a general term, a general sense. But, yeah, I mean, he was out for a year, so you can't really blame anybody yeah. for that. But, like, yeah. um, you know, his – I was just thinking, you know, you see um, when you think Arsenal these days, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the the left winger coming inside and then, freeing up space for Kolasinac to run in behind. And, you know, Kolasinac actually does get in behind the the defense quite often and into good crossing positions. But then I'm thinking, I was like, how many times has he actually delivered the cross, you know, that he's supposed to? And how many times um, from those positions, because he always gets down to the byline, has open crossing opportunities. And so from there, how many times have we created a tap-in for Aubameyang? A tap in for Laksa, a tap in for Pepe. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, no, like, like there, they have, there have been none from Kalasnach yeah. himself. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, so far, that's not working, and he is not delivering the the type of you know final ball that he should be, and that you know a proper left back who is trained to do this specific sort of run over and over and over again should be putting in. You know, and yeah. I really do hope that Tierney can 
can become better at this because you know, like we saw, like you said, in, in against Standard Liège and and uh, in the match before that against um, Nottingham Forest, Kieran Tierney's delivery is really really good. And regardless of the opposition, who are obviously weaker than what we see in the Premier League, you know that doesn't really make a difference for the for the delivery because you know. And there were so many different types of it too. I mean, there was left foot whipped in, right foot whipped in, uh, left foot cut back. I mean, it's just all the different types that you could want. And he, in two games, showed that he can provide all of them. Yeah, so you just to come back now and to look at the bigger picture, we do set into We do set one point off of the champions in second. <laughs> um, to tell you the truth, how we reach there, I, I'm not sure. Because yeah. the truth is our performances haven't been worth that. Yeah. That's just the fact of it. Um, is there some sense that we are being a bit, you know, asking for too much, you know, that we should be grateful for where we are, or, you know, I, I do think that our performances should be better, and yeah, at the end, the three points are what is most important, but as we saw last year, where we went on this run, um, unbeaten run, mm-hmm. and got 22 or 24 points, around the same time last year, we had the same problem of not playing well, but racking up points, and then, you know, a lot of people said, you know, it's fine, over time, the performances would improve, and they didn't. And mm-hmm. over Christmas, now, I know along the line, obviously, every single time we drop points, it's important. But to me, over the Christmas period, the points we dropped there were so vital because they came so quick and so fast that mm-hmm. we never caught back up those points that we lost. Mm-hmm. Over the Christmas, drawing with Brighton, getting thrashed by Liverpool, amongst um, losing to Southampton and a few other points here and there. And I think last year shows what would happen if our performances don't improve. That we won't be able to sustain this position in the table. Yeah, I think it's you know looking very similar to what it was last season, and I think a lot of us that you know were watching those games closely last season, we went on that really long unbeaten run, kind of knew that things would come crashing down eventually, like you mentioned, because yeah. we weren't playing well, and it's kind of worrying because I actually do think we're playing worse now than we actually were yep. back then. Yep, definitely. And Third place is not reflective of how we've been playing, and I think it really does come down to how poor Spurs, United, and um, like Wolves even have been. So, yeah. you know, I, I do think that things are going to come back to earth soon, and once we start to see, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that they don't they don't start playing well again, but I do think that uh, Spurs and United will eventually start picking up some more points and you know, try and compete compete with us for these spots because right now we can't take this position for granted because we're not playing well enough to justify being in third. And we have I mean we've hardly seen a glimpse in the Premier League this season of actually deserving yep. third place. We've yep. seen it in the yeah. Europa League. We've seen it in the Carabao Cup in that one game. But in the Premier League, it's been absolutely nothing. And as of right now, I think a lot of the fans have far more enjoyed watching those Europa League games than the Premier League games, which is pretty crazy considering that a lot of us don't like being in the Europa League. I would like to say I enjoyed watching Spurs more, but that's just <laughs> me, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do disagree a little bit about the Spurs and United point. Um, I do think Spurs would improve, so I actually do think that they could catch us. So as long as they spiral downwards, I'm going to appreciate it because yeah, of course. I do think that once, you know, Poch gets back everybody on side, you know, they could be a monstrous team to face. But I do think United are more in a position where a very poorly assembled squad is now coming back to haunt them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never 
scored more than one goal in a single game this season, other than the first, other than the opening game. Mm-hmm. And they struggle for goals a lot. And I think that is coming back to bite them a lot. You know, their, their lack of real attacking, trying to put it too much into the bank over players like Mason Greenwood and, and oh my God, Tahit Chung, if I remember right. Yeah, that guy's and, not a good player. <laughs> that guy's very, and, very average from what I've seen. Yeah, and they are asking these players to be, to be essentially super subs and, and saving them, bring them off the bench mm-hmm. every But I think there's a difference in the way that United are using their youth as compared to how we are and how yeah. Chelsea are. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's pretty the biggest difference. Um, just bringing it back to Arsenal, and this is the last thing I want to talk about. So we expect Bellerin and Tierney to return come the end of the international break, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of given that. Bellerin and Pepe would be the right-sided um, combo, the right-sided pair to mm-hmm. try and link up and whatnot. Who do you think would be the best person on the left wing outside of, you know, I guess any bigger games we would play over there because Arkansas has to play. Right. But let's just say we actually play actual wingers, you know. Who do you think would be the best one out of Saka, Martinelli, Nelson and whatnot to start there? Ooh, it's a it's a tough choice because to be honest, all three of them have have shown qualities that that they can start, you know, in that position. Um, I I do tend to lean towards the right footers, so that has to be, uh, you know, I like Saka, but he is um, still quite young. I think he is uh, slightly younger than Martinelli, but not by a lot, um, yeah. and I think a year younger than than Reese Nelson. But you know, Nelson and Martinelli are both the right footers. And in that position, left wing, you know, you look at, you know, all teams and all top teams right now, they're all playing with um, the player playing on their own. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the right footers at left wing, left footers are at the right wing. And that kind of helps free up space for um, the fullbacks. And I think if we want Tierney to succeed and we want to get him into open space the way we did with Kolasinac last season, with it will be playing on the inside, um, I think at least to replicate what it will be brought when in dropping in and kind of um, creating that space for the overlap. I think we do have to start a right winger because um, while you can use a left winger, you see Man City doing it quite a bit, except they do the opposite. They put the fullback inside and stick the way yeah. to the yeah. outside. But what, what you see with Bukayo Saka is that he's not entirely comfortable coming in inside from that position, which yeah. I think might cause an issue for if we want, you know, Tierney to get into those positions that Kolasinac often gets into. Um, I yeah. do I do lean towards the right footer. So, you know, either Martinelli or Nelson. I think Nelson um, deserves a chance a little bit more because he's a little bit older and, you know, academy player and a little bit more mature. You know, he's had that loan last season, which went um, just kind of up and down, but he did score some goals last season for Hoffenheim. Uh, some of them off that left wing. So, I think, yeah, you would give him a chance because he's a little bit older, but you know, I don't see why we can't uh, give all three of them a chance over the season because right now Bukayo yeah, Saka yeah. is getting his chance. And, you know, maybe Reese Nelson gets his chance next game, Martinelli the game after. Uh, it's good to have this sort of competition, especially between, you know, two 18-year-olds and a 19-year-old. It's pretty crazy to think about yeah. because, you know, yeah. And to think that there's any drop-off in quality, there really isn't. Like, I haven't seen anything yeah. from any of them to suggest that, you know, we are missing something when they are playing. Exactly, um, yeah. For me, it's... I think it has, for me, it has to be Reese as well. Um, reason being, one, in the standard league game, not just because Reese was good, was but the way that he linked up with TNE was really good. 
And mm. like you said, the right foot opens the space for the left back to run forward. And I think that they comp- they already have been building that understanding. And mm. I think that Reese's reputation takes a bit of a hit because he doesn't always look flashy. Mm-hmm. But I think his the way that he maintains the ball, maintains possession, keeps the ball moving, and has that X Factor ability within himself. That you know, I think that he might be the best suited for the job. Um he scored at least seven goals. I'm not sure if he added more to that after that point, but I know he had at least seven last year. Seven would have put him mm-hmm. at the third highest score in this team. I know it's a different league, different system, whatnot. But it says something. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, why not? You know, he scored against Burnley and was disallowed, but he took the goal really well. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a goal scoring threat to him. And we just need to, you know, give him time. I really was impressed by him against Stadley's. I thought he was, I really thought he was excellent. I know Martin is still on the headlines and for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. But I thought Reese overall combination play, he was involved in all with the first three goals, if I remember right. And it was quite good. And I think he deserves a chance. Yeah, completely agree. So, yeah, I think that's about it for this week. Um, we'll catch you guys next week with some other content to keep you guys occupied during the international break. Um, look out for guests here and there because we're looking to bring on some people to add some different opinions and takes to the conversation. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. Thanks, Mahit, for coming on once again. It's been great. Um, catch you guys next time. See you soon. Take it easy. Later.